Hey y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of Take a Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Sienna Hope, and I am joined by the lovely Keitra. Keitra specializes in public health, and she is also an executive director of the short film documentary, Laboring with Hope. And today we're really going to dive into um, what it's all about in the public health sector, and also learn more about your documentary and why you felt that that was so important. So Keitra, thank you so much for joining me. And for listeners, tell them exactly who you are and what you do. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be on today. I'm Nikitra Burst, and I'm the owner of Six Dimensions, and we're a public health research development and practice company. Much of our work is focused on maternal health just because that's the work of my heart, you mm-hmm. know, um, but we, we do everything around public health that is focused on health equity. So whether it's research, whether it's developing um, strategies for communities to implement into their systems, our focus is really making sure that the systems of this country are um, equitable. And, you know, that's, that's a lot. So tell me, why is it important for you to spread awareness about health disparities and specifically maternal health disparities that women face? Yeah, I have been in public health for about 13 years and much of my work has been around sexual and reproductive health. And so when I kind of moved into maternal health, it was just a likely transition, but it was a combination of not only my public health work, but my life experiences. And when we talk about disparities, Um, disparities, I I like to kind of define it a little bit Mm -hmm. so that I can really paint a picture of how and why I do this work. So disparities are just like they, it it implies that there's a difference in something. For example, um, maybe black women die at a higher rate, um, than white women when it comes to breast cancer. So that implies that there's a difference somewhere. But I like to look at what's going on with black women as more of an inequity. And inequity is really unfair, unjust um, systems that don't work for our communities. And so when you think about maternal health, black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. And so looking at that, it's not just that black women are doing what they're supposed to do when it comes to their health, but it's really about this system that we navigate daily and how those systems don't work for us and they weren't created for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a point in your documentary, you document the story of your aunt who Mm -hmm. passed away um, days after delivering her son and your nephew. Mm -hmm. And you also shine light on your sister who lost her son after a premature birth. So how would you say that impacted your view on motherhood? You know, it really, because when I looked at like my aunt's situation, my sister's situation, my aunt had two degrees, a master's degree. She had health insurance. She had a good job. She had people that were advocates for her. My sister had the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, society tells us that, oh, it's these poor black women that don't have X, Y, and Z, but that's inaccurate. It's all black women. And so when you look at the the system of 
how and how the system treats black women that's a direct systemic issue that directly goes back to racism and so that is how it kind of shaped my view on motherhood I have two children uh, one of which was born of course after my aunt's death and the other was born after my sister's um, bout with preeclampsia and it it really made me more aware of my situation and made me more of an advocate for myself. But it also made me realize that there are certain privileges that I have um, with this knowledge of public health and working in public health and being connected to the healthcare community that most women, black women, don't have. Mm-hmm. And it's just been my goal to really create or try to create that for other black women. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you do just as a passion of yours or do you collaborate with other colleagues in order to spread this awareness or how is the, how is the response when it comes to you sharing this information and people knowing about this information when it comes to your colleagues in public health as well? So yeah, it is definitely not just my work Everything that I do in maternal health is a collaboration between my company and other community-based organizations, um, other just women out on the grounds. It's definitely a collaboration because uh, that's the only way that we can tackle it. And we know that we can't dismantle this system. We know that we can't just create a new system right Mm -hmm. now. And so we have to figure out ways that we can intervene and make sure that black women have what they need. And so the only way to do that is through a collaborative approach. Yeah. Is it challenging? Not necessarily the efforts part, because the passion is there, you know, the drive is there, the commitment is there, but is it still challenging to kind of, um, not necessarily go against the system, but anyway, call it out. Absolutely. Um, and, and it is going against the system, in my view, because when there's something that's not right, you like you said, you have to call it out. Mm-hmm. And it is challenging because, you know, you make enemies. Yeah. <laughs> you make enemies, but um, who else is going to speak up? And I think that's that's what drives me is just making sure that there's I don't miss an opportunity to speak up for black women or at the same time, provide um, an opportunity for black women to tell their own stories. And that's that's a lot of what drives my work is, you know, my aunt didn't have an opportunity to tell her story. My sister-in-law also died after giving birth. She didn't have an opportunity to tell her story. Mm. And we hear, you know, in the media, the media shapes what um, our stories are and, and shapes how, mm-hmm. you know, how we receive resources as, as well. And so it's been very important for me to make sure that we tell our own stories and create our own narrative about what's going on with our, our bodies. Yeah. And now that you bring that up, um, actually, in episode 14, it's called Take a Seat with a mompreneur, Whitney Batiste. She had a horrible childbirth journey. And she felt that it was something that could have been avoided had she been taken seriously or had they gave her adequate care. And this was the first time that she was pregnant. Eventually it became better, but that was only because she learned that she has to be in control of, you know, the services that she, um, that she's being offered and all of that. So I state all of that to say, do you believe there are some doctors who are on autopilot to the point they don't think, okay, well, let me explain to the mother what's going on? Because that was actually another thing that she mentioned was 
wait, can you explain to me first before you even do this? Like, kind of elaborate on that importance or rather, do you feel that doctors, okay, should explain this is what's going on? Do you think that is, that'll solve a lot of issues? Yeah, so I'll first say um, Whitney is also one of the community partners that I have the pleasure of working with at times. So, yeah, great work that she's doing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And to answer your question, I think that's one part of it, the patient-provider relationship. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's like this hierarchy. The provider is way up here at the top and and the patient is not um, on an equal level with the provider. And so that creates a disconnect between the relationship. And so then communication between the patient and provider is often disjointed and um, very, um, it, it just doesn't work in a way that will create good health outcomes for that mother because the provider may come with these um prejudged or preconceived notions about what the mother is doing or what she should or should not be doing. And then the mother is already afraid to be in this system of care. Mm -hmm. And if, if she's in a rural area that doesn't have a choice of, you know, many providers, then that's also an issue, Mm -hmm. but that's just one part of it. The other part of it is this system of healthcare that we have. Healthcare was built on the black, the backs of black bodies. So when you think about everything that has happened to build our system of healthcare as we know it, black women's bodies were at the, you know, are pretty much the common th- thread throughout that. And so when you have that from the beginning of this country, when enslaved Africans were brought here, then that that practice is is hard to stop because it's built into this system. And so that's another part of it. And then thinking about just this system of how we seek and receive healthcare and how healthcare is accessible to everyone. And when it's not accessible to everyone, then we don't have that opportunity to make the best decisions for ourselves and our families. Mm-hmm. And you talk about um, how basically we as black people, we've always seemed to be the experiment mm-hmm. of some sort and how do we dismantle that so i don't think it's we can't as black people we we can't dismantle it because we're not we're the recipients of the system we're you mm. know we're the system was built on our backs and it wasn't built within with us in mind and i think that's for white people to do that's for white people to recognize where they have gone wrong and acknowledge that and then change it. Now, we'll, are we going to continue to do our part to help our communities and to find areas to intervene and create our own systems? Yes, we'll do that. But we can't dismantle it. That's And, and, and honestly, that's just a little bit too much work on black people, you know. And so that's how I kind of view that. We continue to do the work and we do the work as best as we can mm-hmm. um, to help our communities, but it is definitely on white people to to fix this system. So, you know, we've talked about the, the vastly different number of how many pregnant black women and women of color, um, how they don't receive adequate care uh, during their prenatal journey or childbirth or postpartum journey, right? And also, their tolerance is expected to be extremely high compared to pregnant white women. And we can definitely say, you know, that is factual based on statistics and the things that you've already mentioned. But 
why do you believe that there's a noticeable difference that some doctors do when it comes to disregarding that pain of pregnant black women in comparison to others? Yeah, and I know I talk about history a lot, but that's that's where all of this started. So even those experiments that were done on black women's bodies, when you look at um, modern gynecology, and J. Marion Sims is revered as the father of modern gynecology, but he did all these experiments on black women without anesthesia. And so during that time, it was thought that, or perpetuated, I won't even say thought, they it was perpetuated that black people have a higher tolerance for pain. And the, they created these biological differences in us saying that black people have thicker skin. And so then that means that you have a higher tolerance for pain. And so even dating back to, you know, 16, 1700s, that notion has been embedded in America and in the healthcare system. And so then when you get studies that come out in 2014, 2016 that say providers say that they still think that black people have a higher tolerance for pain and that they have thicker skin, that's because that this healthcare system and medical schools are continuing to teach mm. some of these inaccuracies and they continue to perpetuate these um, differences in biology which do not exist. And so I think a part of it is on medical schools to definitely change their practices and change um, the way that they teach within this system, because there are still things that you, you know, you may look in those books and say, are you kidding me? Yeah. Is this still here? But yeah. Yeah. And that actually brings me to a point, And I cannot remember the post on Instagram that I saw, but it was a person who was in nursing school. Um, they called out their professor because of the things that they were telling them mm -hmm. about just some incorrect information and they called them out and so they got upset and it's just like you know you're teaching the wrong information so that brings me to the question when did you realize okay the information that's being taught to me this is not accurate and I'm gonna fix this I don't think it was a realization of the information that was being taught, mm -hmm. but I think it was a realization of the lack of factual information that was being incorporated into those curriculum that, you know, whether it's public health or medical school, you won't find probably any curriculum that add in anything about racism and the history of racism mm -hmm. in this country. And there's no lack of information there. It's plenty of books about, um, you know, the healthcare system, the medical system that's there and available to schools for use. And, you know, I know that's a different, an uphill battle to change a whole curriculum. And I think that some of the medical societies are working to try to create, you know, those changes mm -hmm. now, but, it, for me, it was more of a personal realization that I, there were three instances in my family. And then I had numerous friends that had pregnancy-related issues. And there's this bigger issue of it. So it wasn't that, you know, this was just a strange turn of events for my mm -hmm. family. But it's happening to all black women. It's, you know, they tell us to do X, Y, and Z, check these boxes, and you can have this in America. But as black women, when we check all those boxes, we still don't have it. Mm. Mm. That's something really powerful that you said. We still 
check all the boxes and we don't even get mm-hmm. what we need. In terms of your experience um, in the public health realm, um, talk more about how you've witnessed some changes when you first started this this movement, this action, this commitment, and where we are now. How How is that progress looking? So I think part of it is a comfort, and I won't say comfort because people aren't completely comfortable, mm-hmm. but um, maybe people being a little more comfortable in their discomfort when it comes to racism. And so, you know, typically you bring up racism in a room and people get to wiggling around and wondering what you're going to say next. Mm -hmm. And I think that it now is becoming more of a common theme in everything that we do. And that's hard for people to to reckon with a lot because everything that we it tears down everything that, you know, we mostly know of in this country. But I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, that I've seen is people being more comfortable calling out racism, being less tolerant of racist acts, and even some agencies and institutions really trying to put forth that effort. Could there be more? Yes. But like some states like California, have implemented this implicit bias training, which means that, of course, all of their providers have to go through this implicit bias training. I think that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. But implicit bias, that that could mean that they just go take the training and check the box. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that we have it there. Mm-hmm. But what can we do more? Because really understanding your internal biases and how they play out in your practice, that's an internal, intrinsic, and very personal journey that most people have to go on. And it it takes a while for, for it to really click in some people. Yeah. You ha- basically what you're saying, you really have to be very, very intentional mm-hmm. with, because you never know who you may deal with when it comes to working with others, you yep. know, especially as, as doctors, as professionals, you never know who you're going to work with. You're ne- you never know the day that you work with, um, that you give care to a black woman, that she really needs your help and your help could really help her. And if it doesn't, because of things that you've processed already internally that may be implicit or that may mm-hmm. just not be right, I mean, you've, li- you've literally marked an X on her and yeah. on her life. And you know... Um- Healthcare providers take, you know, the Hippocratic oath that says do no harm. But when you think about equality, then they'll say, I treat everybody the same. But is is that right? Should you treat everybody the same or should you treat people according to what they need? Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we're pushing equity and justice, making sure that people have what they need according to where they are. Because if we treat everybody the same, someone still gets left out. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What additional work are you doing with Six Dimension? So around the film, doing a lot of work, doing film screenings. We have been doing them all across the country until COVID hit, but we're still Mm -hmm. doing some screening, virtual screenings with our nationwide partners. But also we just received a grant from the W.K. Kellogg Foundation where we're creating a pilot curriculum that will go into nursing and public health schools wow. um, to yeah to address maternal mortality. 
And so um, we're also creating a registry for birth workers in the state so that women, if you're looking for a birth worker, whether it's a doula, midwife, or lactation professional, you can go to this website and look at all of those birth workers because the research tells us that when a woman has a doula, her chances of having a good birth experience are exponentially increased. And so we're doing that and we're also working with some moms. Well, we'll start working with moms here in the next couple of months to provide them with mental health services and um, other needed services just for them to have a a healthy pregnancy, pregnant experience, pregnancy experience. Yeah, that's so awesome. For listeners, can you tell, just explain what exactly a a doula is, a midwife, and the other um, term that you mentioned? Yeah. So a doula is just a support person. It's an advocate for the mother. And so they they are not a medical professional, though some doulas are um, nurses, but they're just a support person that helps the mother throughout her pregnancy and birthing experience and even in the postpartum period. And they also, if a mother is in a situation where she can't advocate for herself, the doula will step in. And they also work with the partners, the mother's partner and support system to help them to be able to advocate for mothers. And then a midwife um, is kind of that in between between a healthcare professional and a doula. But midwives they some often um, deliver babies as well. And then lactation professional is um, can be a lactation consultant. They really help mothers learn how to breastfeed and to really be able to continue breastfeeding. And I've actually witnessed over time that this is becoming really popular to have just in in a circle as a mom Mm -hmm. um and um I'm guessing that's because of the awareness around maternal health would you say yeah and so birth work started in the black community Mm. it started um you know when enslaved women were unable to attend doctors and so we became our own Mm -hmm. advocates for each other And as the medical profession progressed and science progressed, there was basically a doing away Mm. with um, the birth work community. But now um, and then like doulas and midwives became this like really kind of high class experience. I didn't have a doula, I didn't have midwife, and I didn't even know that I had access to it. And so what we really want to do is just make sure that black women have access to this resource that we know can improve their health outcomes. And it's just a support person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess I better mention the rest of the work that I do um, with the company. One thing that we do is um, trying to create equitable research in the uh, research community and to uplift community work so that it gets recognized on a national platform. I've worked in academics for some time, just kind of as adjunct and as, as staff. And I realized that sometimes there's a disconnect between the researcher and the, um, and the community. Mm. And so trying to make sure that researchers have a vested interest in the community and also that the community has an opportunity to, uh, put their research, get their research out, and in a way that truly tells the story of what's going on on the ground. And we do work along with a lot of our partner organizations around advocacy and um, support. And I won't say we 
push legislation, but we definitely support good legislation that will impact um, black communities. Yeah. So talk a little more about the research that you've that you've researched that you've actually come to the conclusion of. So what we're really working on is making sure I'll say this really it came from personal experience. So Mm -hmm. I'll take that step back there. And, you know, I read a lot of research articles, a lot of research studies, and even going through my dissertation process, just thinking about um, when you are conducting research on a community, how do you do that in a meaningful way that uplifts the community and doesn't pose any risk to the community? Though, you know, when you go through research, it's not supposed to pose any risk, but is that research for your own agenda or is it for the betterment of the community? And sometimes those lines get really crossed when it comes to research because most of the time this is a researcher's life goal is to find, you know, the problem and and figure out a way to fix it. But we want to make sure that the community doesn't get left behind because they are the subjects of Mm -hmm. this research. And so uh, we're trying to help organizations craft their research in a way um, that they get the recognition that they need. And we hope to be able to help colleges and universities or researchers connected to colleges and universities. They um, have a connection to the community and that their research is sound and it's, you know, a benefit to the community. Yeah. Through your experience, what's the most difficult research that you've come across? Well, I probably can't say because (laughs) that would be a a breach of confidentiality, but I will tell you that I have seen um, some research that makes me think, where did this come from and and how did you come up with this project Mm -hmm. with this community? And most of it is going to be with the black community. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about mistrust from the black community, it stems from research. Like when you Mississippi, we get a lot of dollars that come in for research, but sometimes it's people that come from the outside doing research. And then when they leave, they take their resources and they go and we never hear anything else from them. And so it's just my goal to make sure that we can tell our own story and keep the resources within our community. What's a way that medical students could kind of, how can they learn from the environment and the research that's going on right now? Yeah, I think medical students can they're in a very um, interesting situation because they're training to be a healthcare professional, but they're training under someone who's more experienced than them. And so it's hard for them to be able to, to challenge mm-hmm. um, their preceptor. And so I think it's, a, you know, part of it is on medical students to continue to seek knowledge because we, you know, even in any school program, you're going to get the textbook information. But it's if you want to be the best at what you do, you have to do things outside of that. And so I think that's going to be on medical students part of it, you know, to be able to continue to seek knowledge and advocate for policy change within medical schools. I think, you know, when medical students begin to recognize that and, you know, advocate for policy change, then there will also be changes there. Mm -hmm. So through your experience in maternal health and public health, spreading awareness um, 
and holding the healthcare system accountable, which is, again, something that you're so passionate about, um, and I commend your work for it. Uh, what have you learned about yourself as a woman through it all? Ooh, um, <laughs> uh, I'll say a lot. And um, part of it is, for me, is personal freedom and liberation because that's what I want for our community. Mm. And so that means that I have to make, I have to live freely and in a way that I don't confine myself to this um white supremacist system so to speak and there are always these subtle things that you know that we we subscribe to and it's just because that's just the way it's been but also I've learned that you know unlearning things and continuing to learn things is the only way that I can keep going forward in this work it also falls along with just passion and Mm -hmm. you know finding what you like, what you're good at and using it for the greater good. And, you know, I think then the rest of the chips kind of just fall in place where they should. To add to uh, what I was saying about what I learned about myself is also owning what I know and what I know how to do. Mm. Um, There have been times when, you know, a person has told me, you're only here because of this. Um, or you don't know how to do this and, you know, realizing that wasn't on me, that was on them and just continue to own what I do and show up every time that I come to a space, show up as who I am and, you know, make sure that I give what I know. Yeah. So was that ever difficult for you, honestly? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, I don't even cry much, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there have been times, you know, when, I have to sit in a a place and look someone in their eye and, you know, be assertive and say what I mean. But I might leave out of there and go cry because, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is hard, you know, knowing how hard you work and how passionate you are. And for someone to tell you you're not good enough or that you can't do something, that's still, you know, hurtful, even if we know when we know that we're better. Yeah. So, yeah, it it, it has been hard. But, you know, it, it also makes me say, I'll show you. Mm -hmm. And what does it make you realize, too, about other people as well? Um, That you showing up in a room makes other people's insecurities come out. Mm -hmm. When you come as yourself, um, however you come, whether that's with a different color hair, a different, you know, tattoos, earrings, whatever, however you show up physically and um, emotionally and with your um, full personality, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and that's that's okay. Yeah. And talk about the importance of representation in those moments and in uh, the public health realm. How important is it? Well, I, that is extremely important because, you know, in order for us to be treated fairly and adequately, we have to have people who have experienced some sort, I mean, it's sad to say, but I mean, just experience some things that we can relate to. And and mm-hmm. do you think that we there's not enough representation or there's representation, but just a lot of people haven't experienced what some women have gone through? Well, I think the representation, we're we're getting there when it comes to representation. That was one of the reasons that I started my company because I 
I used to have this big dream of working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. Mm. Many years ago when I first got into the field, I had like two interviews and I didn't get in. And I was bombed a little bit, but it as I continued to work in the field, I realized that that wasn't my destination. My destination is to help prepare um, public health professionals, help prepare young black professionals to sit at those tables. And so if I can give them the experience that they need to be the decision makers, be in the room and to show up in the room, however they are, then that's what I would prefer to do. I don't have to be there, but if I can help prepare them to get to that table or bring their own table or however they show up, then that was, that's really my purpose. Yeah. That's really important. And the fact that you said that you want to be the one who teaches, especially young people at that, because they are the world, you know, Mm -hmm. they are the future. So that's very, 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 very important. Mm -hmm. So my last question, what's maybe one thing or some things that you teach your children and others, um, your circle about the importance of truly being aware of themselves, being aware of the system, and being aware of how they can make things better. Yeah, I, I'll start with my kids. I have two black boys, and so you know, teaching them is different than you know our counterparts have to teach their black boys. Mm-hmm. But I do make sure that they operate in their gifts. Um, So if we see something that they're interested in and something that they're really good at, really trying to hone in on that craft. But I also um, let them be themselves. So, you know, when it comes like my oldest, he has hair on the top and Mm -hmm. sometimes he just like to wear it, you know, Mm -hmm. any kind of way. Mm -hmm. But I let him do that because you don't have to subscribe to how people think you should be. And so um, just helping them understand that. And it's it's also these subtle things that, you know, are in this system that we try to make sure that they understand. For example, we're walking on the sidewalk. You don't have to move out of the way for anybody. That's your sidewalk just like it is that white woman's sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And so things like that. I think teach them to walk with their head up and, you know, be aware of who they are, what they are, and be proud in that. And, and I mean, I don't mind calling the school saying, you know, can you send a couple of black books home, kids? You know, things like that. I don't mind um, continuing to assert that when it comes to the school district as well. And I think they know. <laughs> they know that about me. I mean, me. that's important. Yeah. Um, but, and also just like the people that I work with, that I mentor, um, leadership is really important and knowing how to be a leader and, you know, and I'm not talking about being out front. I'm talking about how to lead groups to create change. And, you know, you still have to be aware of yourself in, in doing all that. And I think that's the biggest thing when I'm working with people that I mentor is like trying to help them understand where their strengths are when it comes to leadership and how they can leverage that for change. Yeah, that's very important. I just want to say thank you so much for just taking the time today and just really sharing so much information about the public health and really what the system should be and also really highlighting what they do and how it could change and the importance of really teaching others to be the change that is needed 
and also spreading awareness about the maternal health issues that a lot of women of color and black women face. I believe that's so important uh, that we continue to recognize that and we continue to shine light on that because we can save lives. Mm -hmm. We can save so many lives just by spreading awareness and just by holding people accountable. Yep. And so I just want to say thank you so much for the work that you do. I mean, that's really, really powerful and impactful. And it, it definitely makes a difference. It definitely makes a difference. And um, any final words to listeners, any advice that you want to give to those who are listening? Uh, well, I just first want to say thank you for having me. It has definitely been a pleasure. You are doing great work. And part of what you're doing is, you know, spreading awareness and creating change within your own right. Um, the only thing that I guess I would leave people with is, you know, just own who you are and use it for the good of this society. So thank y'all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll see y'all in the next episode of Take a Seat. In the meantime, be blessed y'all.